So after quite some time, I wanted to present a sutta again, a teaching from the Buddha directly. And uh, this is from the collection Udana, translation by John Ireland. Udana is a collection of really unusual events. In fact, so unusual that even the Buddha, with all his equanimity, is uh, inspired to speak an Udana. Udana is a kind of inspired utterance. So something happens which is so unusual, so special in the Buddha's estimation that he feels inspired to make a solemn proclamation. And this is number 5-3 in Udana. It's called Super Buddha the Leper, a person suffering from leprosy. Thus have I heard. At one time, the Lord was staying near Rajagaha in the bamboo wood at the squirrel's feeding place. I think some of our pilgrims have seen that on our pilgrimages when we had Rajagaha included. We have been to the Velovana, the bamboo grove, and the squirrels feeding ground. It's very inspiring when you're on pilgrimage and you're actually right in the spot where you can read what was happening there. At that time, there was in Rajagaha a leper called Subhabuddha, a wretched, despised, rejected person. This is not specific to ancient India. It was the same uh, in European Middle Ages. People with leprosy, which was considered contagious, were completely cast out of normal society. They had to wear a special dress and they often had to ring a bell wherever they go so that everyone knows they have to go away. So just imagine that kind of life where everyone is shunning you was the same in biblical times, as we are just in the Xmas season. There's also stories uh, where Jesus is healing a leper. And uh, also in the time of Jesus, there was actually in a religious law that lepers were considered unclean and they had to walk around and announce all the time, unclean, unclean, so that everyone knows when they are coming and they can all go away. And Jesus committed a kind of breach of these regulations by touching them and healing them. And the same in ancient India, a kind of um, complete reject from normal society, and he had to somehow survive without family support, unable to do any normal job and just trying to survive as a beggar. Now, on one occasion, the Buddha was sitting teaching Dhamma, surrounded by a large gathering. That was very typical, that the Buddha would make himself available, both in the monastery where he lives, but also often going not so much into town, but close to the town, in a park, uh, at a jadi, at a stupa, beautiful spot in nature and then anyone could come. 
and just sit down and listen in what the Buddha is teaching. This was such an occasion. And as the Buddha by that time was the most famous spiritual teacher in all of India, he would often attract very large crowds. I don't even know he did it physically because they didn't have microphones. But he was also known Mahapurisa and he had this exceptional sonorous and beautiful voice. So the Buddha teaching and the large crowd of people all around listening. Super Buddha, the leper, saw in the distance that a large group of people had collected together. And on seeing it, he thought, Surely some food is being distributed. Suppose I were to approach that large group of people, I might well get some food there. I'm not sure whether you ever have been on diet. Have you ever done serious dieting? And do you know the feeling that when you think about food all the time, nothing is more important than this is how he lives his whole life. They're emaciated. Some days no food, some days a little bit of food. Then naturally, you know, this is what determines his whole life. So uh, such a despised and desperate situation that uh, whenever he sees something, the first thing that comes into his mind is this is maybe a chance to get, get something to eat. So Super Buddha, the leper, approached that large group of people and saw the Buddha sitting and teaching Dhamma surrounded by the large gathering. On seeing it, he thought, there's no food being distributed here. This is the recluse Gotama teaching Dhamma in the assembly. Suppose I too were to listen to Dhamma. So he sat down to one side, thinking, I too will listen to Dhamma. And this is quite impressive. And although he is so desperate and probably extremely hungry, and he decides you know, this is a special occasion. And uh, although I can't really go right into the group, I have to sit you know, on, on the side. And although my stomach is grumbling and I, I can barely cope, I try whenever I can get some valuable teaching. I mean, here sometimes people, even after the meal, may not come in for the Dhamma teaching <laughs> after they had a good meal. But this one, desperate, hungry, and decides he still goes trying to learn something. Then the Buddha, comprehending the minds of everyone in that whole gathering with his own mind, considered who here is capable of understanding the Dhamma. There's a special psychic power of the Buddha. He was able to see not only what people are thinking that moment and how pure or defiled their mind is at that moment, but even the underlying potential, Indriya Paropadhyanyana, how far their faculties and their paramis have matured 
so that if he teaches them that they are able to realize the Dhamma on the level of experience and realization. And because the psychic powers of the Buddha are so impressive and he can do that even for a large group of people in one go. And out of compassion he would often do that because the moment he realizes there is someone who has so much power in me that they can actually crack it when they get the white teaching, then he will make a special effort to give them exactly the teaching they need, that they can become the stream enterers or even Abahams. Then the Lord, uh, the Buddha, saw Super Buddha, the leper, sitting amongst that group of people, and on seeing him, he understood, this one here is capable of understanding the Dhamma. It's the only one. So the most rejected, despised, poor, wretched person in that whole assembly, now this is not what the Buddha is looking at, whether they have beautiful jewelry, whether they are young, beautiful Instagram influencers, whether they are movie stars no, or rich kings, billionaires, Buddha's not interested in that. He just looks right into their heart. And there in this huge group of people is actually no one else present who has got that level of power me to understand Dhamma. For the sake of Super Buddha the leper, the Buddha then gave a progressive, gradual talk. That is, a talk on generosity, on virtue, on heaven. This is a normal pattern. One reason I present that, and it's also good to know that, when the Buddha recognizes and someone can get it, he makes that special effort to very gradually bring their mind up to a level which is almost like samadhi. Because normally in order to really realize the Dhamma, and the samadhi is usually a, a necessary condition, that the wisdom can be strong enough to really crack it. But with this the unique teaching ability, the Buddha can teach in such a way and provide so much joy and happiness to this listener that their mind is similar to someone who has samadhi. And he will start with dana, giving generosity, the kindness. This is usually where the largest group of people still responds. Most people, when you talk about helping, sharing, kindness, giving, they have a positive response. If someone is so stingy that they can't even take a talk on generosity, then you will not be able to teach them the Four Noble Truths in any way that they can understand it. And then when the Buddha sees that this person, or if it's a whole group, sometimes a whole group, is not very happy, because a generous person when they hear talk about giving, sharing, kindness, they automatically feel happy. They like that. 
and their mind gets elated. And the Buddha, again, he would look while he teaches, he would look into their heart and he would notice you know, that oh, they like that and now their mind is happy. And then he starts talking about sila, virtue, precepts. Once you do that, then usually quite a few people dropping off mentally. Because even among those who like generosity, there will be quite a group who doesn't like to hear about precepts, that they can't drink alcohol, that they can't do this, that they can't break the third precept, and they may not like it. And usually when the Buddha notices that they don't like it, and their mind just starts complaining and internally trying to refute that and so on, then he will not go further because it would be pointless. If someone is internally unhappy and rejecting and you teach about virtue and precepts, you will not be able to teach them for noble truth successfully. Now, but here, this leper, when he hears about precepts, the Buddha notices that he is even more happy. He likes that. He can relate to Sila Parami. And then he goes to talk on heaven, the Deva Loka. This is a very compressed stock description of the Buddha's gradual teaching. There's only six, seven words, but the Buddha may be talking there for an hour. Because he will constantly check whether that person is already elated and happy and joyful. And talk on heaven, on Devaloka, that obviously implies talk about rebirth. It implies talk about karma and the results of our karmic action. And that is all included there. So he would talk about that death is not the end, that one gets reborn according to one's good and bad karma. And when one has lots of good karma, that one is born in a kind of Shangri-La, Devaloka, and can live in a very happy, a very long lifespan and can create joy and happiness. So if a person now is really happy, then the Buddha starts to make known the disappointment, degradation and corruption of sensual pleasures and the benefit in renunciation, you know, the gain one gets from letting go. This is when you lose most people. It's not so. It's not so many people left usually. Once you start talking about the disappointment, degradation, and corruption of sensual pleasures, the vast majority doesn't like to hear that. Even those who like to hear about dana, sila, and devaloka, many of them, when you talk about renunciation, letting go, and the degradation of sensuality, often their mind drops out. But here you know, the Buddha focuses on this one person who has leprosy, because he knows you know, he can crack it. And he sees 
now talking about renunciation, letting go, and uh, the degradation from sensuality. When the Buddha knew that the mind of Super Buddha, the leper, was ready, malleable, free from hindrances, elated and purified. Basically the same effect like Samadhi, the five hindrances of the desire, ill will, tiredness, restlessness and doubt, now they are suppressed. He's so happy listening to the Buddha that all the defilements are fully suppressed, just like Samadhi. And the mind is ready. The mind is soft, workable, sharp, mindful. He's really listening, he's alert, and in particular he is rapturous. He's so happy and glad to listen to that. And again, the Buddha looks right into his heart and sees that. And that may take a long time, we don't really know. This is just summary. He may have been talking there for an hour, maybe even two, who knows. Until he has that mind state, which is almost like samadhi equivalent. This is how we can understand how there were all these great attainments when they listened to the Buddha. And this is how we understand how people could do that without the formal samadhi practice. The Buddha could get their mind to that level similar to samadhi. He then made known the Dhamma that is special to the Buddhas only. Buddha Samukhangsika Dhamma. Suffering, origin, cessation and the path. Dukkha Samudaya Niroda Magga. Again the shortest summary of the Four Noble Truths. Dukkha, another first noble truth of suffering. Samudaya, the truth of craving as a cause of suffering. Niroda, letting go of craving, means the end of suffering. And Magga, the path, the noble eightfold path. Uh, this is a teaching if I get only from Buddhas and the disciples of Buddhas. It's not available in the world. The other ones about generosity, kindness, virtue, um, uh, karma, rebirth, devaloka, and even renunciation and letting go of sensuality you can find in other religions, other philosophies, at least to some extent. But the Four Noble Truths, that is unique to the Buddhas and those who have learned it from the Buddhas. So now he's teaching him the Four Noble Truths. And just as a clean cloth without stains would properly take up dye. So you have got a completely white cloth, nice cotton, clear, no stains, and then you put it into the boiling pot with dye. You want to dye it and maybe like rope color. And just so, 
in Super Buddha, the leper, even, even as he was sitting there, there arose the stainless, undefiled Dhamma vision that whatever is subject to origination is subject to cessation. Yankinchi Samudhiya Dhammang Sabantang Nirodha Dhammanti Virajang Vitamalang Dhamma Chakung Udapadi The eye of Dhamma, the vision of Dhamma, the eye of wisdom arose in him and he understood that whatever arises based on causes will also be impermanent and will vanish when the causes come to an end. As an expression of the understanding of a stream enter, the first stage of enlightenment, someone who has seen Nibbana and who will fully realize it and fully attain Nibbana and become an Arahant in a maximum of seven lives while listening to the Buddha. So the most despised and rejected one in the whole crowd is the one who is now a noble one, one which even the devas and brahmas agreed and worship. Then Supa Buddha the leper, having seen Dhamma, attained to Dhamma, known Dhamma, plunged into Dhamma, crossed over doubt, become free from uncertainty, attained to perfect confidence, become independent of others in the teacher's dispensation. These are all the epithets, descriptions of a stream enter. They don't depend on anything external, they have the understanding in their own heart now. We will still search out teachers to have quicker progress, but the basic understanding is now independent from anything outside. I plunged into Dhamma, attained Dhamma, known Dhamma, crossed over doubt, free from uncertainty, attained to complete confidence and independent of anyone else in their knowledge. He arose from his seat and approached the Buddha. He bowed down to the Buddha, sat to one side and said to the Buddha, it is wonderful, Venerable Sir. It is marvelous, Venerable Sir. Just as if, Venerable Sir, one should set upright what is overturned. These are all similes when people they express now their Dhamma experience to the Buddha, their conversion. And just like something turned upside down and you put it correctly. Now, or uncover what is concealed, like someone taking off their mask and you can see the face. Or should point out the path to one who is lost. Not sure whether you ever got lost traveling, driving around, am I, what's going on? I'm very happy to have someone that can show you, go here, go there. Or bring an oil lamp into the darkness switching on the light in a pitch black room. 
so that those with eyes could see visible objects. Even so, by various methods, the Buddha has explained the Dhamma. I, Venabhasur, go for refuge to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, and to the order of monks. May the Buddha please accept me as a lay follower, gone for refuge from this day forth for as long as life lasts. So naturally, internally, he has done that already by his attainment. It's impossible for a stream enter to take anyone else than the Buddha as the teacher, a kind of impossibility. But now, out of gratitude, he also wants to express it externally. His heart is already there anyhow, but now he goes to the Buddha and expresses it externally in front of everyone. And does the typical formula of taking refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha to the Buddha personally and committing the lifelong and in fact, the internally is committed anyhow. He can't lose track anymore. Maximum seven lives in Nibbana is impossible for him to lose that, even in a new birth. Thereupon, Supabuddha the leper, after being instructed, roused, inspired, and gladdened by the Buddha's talk on Dhamma, being pleased and appreciative of what the Buddha had said, arose from his seat, bowed before the Buddha, and keeping him to his right side, went away. That's why we have the right side uncovered. It's a sign of respect. So when he went away, he kept the Buddha to the right side. Now it happened that a cow with a young calf attacked Super Buddha the leper and killed him. It's quite, quite tragic. If you have been in India, the cows are roaming around, even in very narrow alleys. And when they have a young calf, and they think that maybe the calf is threatened by you, they may attack. And as he was already in a very weak and sickly, that actually was enough to cause his death. Then a number of bhikkhus approached the Buddha, bowed, and sat down to one side, and they asked, Reverend Sir, the leper Superbuddha, who was instructed, roused, inspired, and gladdened by the Buddha's talk on Dhamma, has died. What is his destiny? What is his future birth? Where has he been reborn? <laughs> Obviously surprised now that he dies so quickly after getting a teaching by the Buddha. And again, the Buddha has the psychic power. He can check out where any person who dies is being reborn. Or if they're in the other hand, that they're not reborn anywhere. There's another Dipachaku ability of the Buddha. So he tells the monks now, Super Buddha the leper Bhikkhus was a wise man. He practiced Dhamma in line with the Dhamma, and did not trouble me with any big discussions, questions, and disputes about the Dhamma. The Buddha would always praise that. You know, if people just 
take the teaching and then really practice it, rather than coming constantly running to the Buddha and asking for absolutely everything. Because it would be impossible for one person to do that for so many thousands. So he would always praise those who would really take the teaching to heart and then fully commit to practice it, rather than uh, endless talking about it. Super Buddha the leper, by destroying three fetters, the first three Sangyojanas, is a stream enterer, a sotapanna, not liable to ever fall away from Dhamma, assured, bound for enlightenment. That's the same for every stream enterer. They can never lose the Dhamma anymore. Even if they die, they get reborn, they'll always continue practicing till they attain Nibbana and the maximum is seven lifetimes for the very slowest of them. So it's still a happy end. Now, although now he uh, died shortly later, and he is reborn in a good place and he is uh, destined wherever he is reborn to continue the practice and uh, attain enlightenment. When this was said, a certain bhikkhu asked the Buddha, Venerable Sir, what was the cause, what was the reason that Super Buddha the leper was wretched, despised and rejected by everyone as someone suffering from leprosy? So that the monk knows that the Buddha also has a psychic power to go back in the past and the Buddha can tell for anything that happens what kind of actions in the past is a karmic cause. And then knowing that the bhikkhu is now asking, now comes someone with so much wisdom that they become a stream enterer just listening to the Buddha once. Now why are they in this incredible, unfortunate position? What was the karma causing that? Formerly because, in a previous life, Super Buddha the leper was the son of a rich banker in this very Rajagaha, the son of one of these billionaire bankers, the same city, but a long time back in a past life. While traveling to the pleasure grove, this is what rich people would do, you know, going out to some beautiful park, amusing themselves with their 50 or 100 wives and so on. By going out to the pleasure garden, he saw a Pacheka Buddha. So that is also a Buddha, realizing the Dhamma on their own, like our Buddha, but lacking the parami of teaching it to others and starting a full sasana. Still, now after the Buddhas, they are the next highest category, and their wisdom is greater than even Venerable Sariputta and Venerable Mahamogalana, our chief disciples. So after the Buddhas are the, the silent Buddhas or solitary Buddhas, Pacheka Buddhas, who realize the Dhamma themselves, but don't have the full ability you know, to start the sasana and teach it to others. And that was Tagara Sikhi, Pacheka Buddha, and he saw him as he was going for arms round. 
And on seeing him, the thought occurred to him, who is that wretched leper roaming around here? And so he has got this you know, real hate and contempt for any ascetics. And although this is the Pacheka Buddha, you know, the second highest in the whole universe, after the Sammasam Buddhas, he is thinking in his mind, this is just a wretched leper. And having spat at him, and as a deliberate sign of disrespect, turning his left side towards him, he went away. So that's obviously very outrageous in that culture, and where ascetics were so highly revered. And thinking that, and really having that attitude in his mind, and then having that coming out by spitting, the Pali idiom is not quite clear whether he just spat out in contempt or whether he would spit right directly at him. But he would be spitting for sure. And uh, he did a gesture which in that culture was fully understood as a deliberate sign of disregard and uh, uh, disrespect. And then he just went back. Sounds awful, but doesn't sound like that much. Ne? He didn't physically attack him. He didn't physically hurt or harm him. They're just strong signs of disrespect and that hatred and contempt in his mind. But the Buddha says, through the ripening of that deed, through the karma of that one action there, he suffered in hell for many years, for many hundreds of years, for many thousands of years, for many hundred thousands of years. Oops, yeah, big result. Without the killing, without even physically harming. But of course, no Pacheka Buddha, that is a crucial thing there. The, uh, the, the leverage, it's just so incredibly powerful. The, the karma comes back a million and million times. Same on the good side. If you give food to a Pacheka Buddha, it doesn't mean that you will once in the future get a nice meal. It means you may be spending hundreds of thousands of years in Devaloka just from that one action. That is this powerful leverage from people who have a completely pure heart and then even on top of that, but Jacob Buddha. So the same Super Buddha, being this young conceited son of a billionaire banker and then deliberately spitting and disrespecting a Pacheka Buddha as a result of that, in a hundred thousands of years, uh, roasting in hell, and after all of that, just as a tiny residual rest remainder of that bad karma, is now largely exhausted and he gets reborn as a human, but just the remainder is sufficient that he ends up with leprosy. And through the remainder of just that bad karma, he became a wretched, despised and rejected person in this very Vajagaha again. 
but on meeting with the Dhamma and Vinaya made known by the Tathagata, he acquired faith, virtue, learning, relinquishment and wisdom. All in that talk, he developed the five spiritual faculties. Thus, upon the dissolution of the body after death, he re-arose in a happy realm in the heavenly world in companionship with the devas of the Tavatingsa heaven, reborn among the gods of the 33 in Tavatingsa heaven. There he surpasses the other devas in beauty and splendor. So it's not so tragic that the cow killed him because of his altus being at the very bottom end, so to speak, in the human world. Now he is in heaven, the gods of the 33, and he is actually more beautiful and outshines the other devas, just from listening to one talk. Then, on realizing its significance, the Buddha uttered on that occasion this inspired verse. As a man with good eyesight on a journey would endeavor to avoid any dangerous place, so too a wise man in the world of the living should avoid dematerious deeds. Just like when you're bush bashing and you're careful that you don't get lost, that you don't step on a snake, that you don't grab a redback spider out in the bush, or that you don't get lost. And with the same carefulness, maybe we should walk through our life and avoid any actions that is really bad karma. Uh, that is this Udana. And I hope that we all take that lesson to heart. Because the one thing we learn here, how easy it is to make very powerful karma. Of course, normally one doesn't encounter Pacheka Buddhas very much, or Buddhas. And uh, if, if it's a more like normal person without that great purity, then obviously the karma wouldn't be quite so severe, but it's still bad. So it shows that just by feeling, genuinely feeling that contempt and hatred and disregard, and then expressing it, no one can make very powerful karma. And one has to be careful that maybe someone who looks like they are already rejected and they are already in a very um, despised position. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they may be in a very spiritually developed person. The Pacheka Buddha just walks around in rag robes and he may not be beautiful. Maybe an old person in old rag robes and sleeping out in the open under a tree. You know, they didn't look very... Uh, well-dressed and groomed. It's so similar, we never know when we 
look down on someone and when we express our contempt that may be a very pure-hearted person who can make uh, tremendous amounts of bad karma. The other thing uh, what one can learn here is the difference between the kind of ranking and classing in society where we have the billionaires and kings and presidents and then uh, wealthy people and educated and then uh, maybe working class and then you have uh, tramps and unemployed and then you have poor people. This kind of conventional ranking doesn't necessarily has anything to do with the spiritual qualities. And the person who is in society in a ranked, so to speak, at the very bottom, despised and rejected by everyone, in this case, in that whole large crowd, spiritually, he was actually the most advanced, except for the Buddha or the others. He was spiritually you know, the one with the strongest faculty of wisdom and faith and mindfulness. Although externally and by criteria of society he was you know, the lowest. So it's very important that we don't you know, buy into that, what society you know, is establishing there. And it's quite possible you know, that someone who you know, ranks top by convention you know, can be you know, the most evil person and the person who ranks bottom they can be the most pure-hearted and any, anything else in between. It's important uh, to be aware of that. And if you consider that, maybe you will not easily get carried away by the defilements of atimana, of arrogance, haughtiness, contempt and conceit. What we will have in mind uh, that any human being we meet, uh, they may be spiritually actually well ahead of us, how would we know? And just that they are physically in a very awful situation or by society, and that doesn't mean anything about their spiritual qualities. And we are very careful, particularly nowadays, you, know, you can make back big karma. Do you think about that when you send tweets? When you're tweeting? Or when you're online sharing? Sending messages? Are you aware you're making kama? Are you fully aware and mindful how much kama you can make there? Just a little tweet you're sending out out of a feeling of hatred, anger, contempt, disregard, and bang, that goes maybe viral and it goes to thousands and thousands of people. Please be careful. <laughs> possible to make no, heaps of comma and uh, I notice that no, comments under YouTube videos it's very very easy as we see here no, to make powerful comma without killing or physically harming someone no, just expressing contempt disregard disrespect hatred no, verbally and in gestures Of course, you can also make good karma when you share some beautiful dhamma and it goes viral. <laughs> it's a big leverage. And once we realize the big leverage, you'll be very careful.
Any questions or comments? How do you like that Udana? It's quite a story, isn't it? Can really recommend it. There's also translation by Ajahn Tarnisovo available for free distribution. Udana. If you go to dhammatalks.org, you can download it. Even if you just Google Udana, I think it will give you the links. And the whole book is full with these amazing stories. And it's beautiful that now this is actually one of the really old parts of the Pali and very high authenticity, very reliable. It's not a later commentary thing. And often you have these stories in the commentaries where they say this happened in the past, but you never know whether the commentaries really knew exactly. But this is actually directly from the Buddha. He himself explained what happened to that person. <coughs> 